Many of the viewers of this channel are people who live in rural areas or on farmland. I myself lived in rural areas my entire life and lived on a few farms myself. I can tell you from experience there are some strange things that go on there, whether it be the middle of the day or night. Welcome back to the swamp my friends and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true farm horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Recently, I started streaming over on Twitch. If you're a fan of bad horror movies and fun horror games, be sure to join me over there. I stream multiple times a week. You can find a link to do so in the description. Now, without further ado, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true horror stories from farms that'll creep you out tonight. Howdy, Swamp. My name is Colton. I've just turned 19 years old and I'm a six-foot white male. I've grown up around farms and hunting my entire life. I've met a handful of scary things and some things that are just entirely unexplainable. So I thought I might write them down and share them with you. I've had run-ins with spirits, demons, and even some creatures. I've just gotten lucky, I guess. Anyway, I will talk about a much more believable story today because it has to do with a much more understood animal. Boar hogs. I've always been a little scared of them. They are little savages, or not so little at times. Something about a pig's scream gets to me, not to mention the wild hogs can have a long tusk. So, they are formidable. Seeing the best way to deal with them is to either have a good gun or climb a tree and pray they leave. Anyway, I'll get on with my story. I'm from a little town in central Texas. I won't say the exact town, but it's between Austin, Texas, and Temple, Texas. Over the past few years, hogs have become a nasty problem. They tear up the land and are dangerous. This story takes place in 2020 after COVID had begun. The whole incident happened very fast. It was trash day, and my driveway is more of a dirt road that stretches about a tenth of a mile. Also, my house is out in the country, and on more farmland than anything else. Homes are very few and far between. If you were looking at my home from my driveway, on the same side of the road on both sides of my house were about a quarter of a mile between my grandparents' house and my neighbor's house. Other than those two houses, nothing for at least two or three miles, depending on where you were headed. It was time to go, so I had to drag the trash to the end of the walk and then go all the way back. Not a huge chore, but I had to do it. I didn't mind it because I did enjoy a little time with my dog, May. May is a sweet little blue lacy with enchanting eyes, and she's super intelligent and protective of my family and me, and even protects our other dogs if she needs. If she was an alpha female, then I was an alpha male to the dogs, and they showed us both respect, and we showed each other respect. She would often walk with me when I took out the trash, which made this day odd. This day I had forgotten to take the garbage out until it had gotten late, so it was already dark out. I started walking when I realized May was not with me. She was still watching me on the porch. I called to her, but she just wagged her tail and whined to stay. It seemed like she was trying to say, A bad idea. 
Don't leave. Stay with me. Come here. Or come see me. I usually would walk back and check in on her, but I figured I would just be going to the end of the driveway, and I'd be okay. This did put a little worry on me, though I'm not easily scared, but I was spooked by May, my seemingly fearless pup who's outsmarted and tangoed with strays and wild dogs and hogs, not wanting to budge. I smelled it halfway down the driveway, an awful stench that I could only describe as a roadkill amplified by two. At this point, I realized May stayed back because she didn't think it was safe for her or me. I stopped dead in my tracks and listened, but it was a windy night, so I could hardly hear anything. After standing and trying to listen for a bit longer, I decided to brave the walk to finish my task. Then, I'd like to hightail it back to home as fast as possible. Keep in mind that I'm pulling a decent-sized trash can, and it's not exactly quiet. So my position is undeniable, even with the wind. I expected something to happen, honestly. I had adrenaline running the entire time I walked. I made it to the end of the driveway, parked the trash can where it should be, and turned around to go back the way I came. Now, I'm walking back home and I can see the porch lights brightening my front yard. Quickly seeing where to go, I took a deep breath inside with relief. Okay. Now you just have to walk home. I'm practically home. I was cut off suddenly. I felt even more uneasy than before and I began to shake with adrenaline. The smell was even more vital than ever, and if my stomach were weak, I would have puked. I heard a low, strained grunt followed by another and another. There was no mistaking what I was hearing. This was the sound of pigs. As soon as I heard this, a switch flipped in my head. Run. Freaking run. I thought. I knew these pigs could outrun me, but if I hurried, I felt I could at least get to my dad's truck in the driveway and jump in to avoid them. If they were close enough, I wouldn't make it. I bolted. I'm not a typically fast guy, and I tried to take it slow and easy, but my legs sprouted wings because I was flying back home. Scared out of my mind, I could hear the grunting getting louder and louder. Suddenly, I heard a sound that made my heart sink. When hogs sprint, they sound like a mix of grunts, coughing, and growling. It meant they knew I was there, and they could probably see me and were coming straight for me. I began running faster, and as fast as my legs could possibly carry me. I started thinking, trying to figure out what to do. Then it hit me. May! Help! God, I love that dog. As soon as she heard me, she barked loud and started running for me. She was coming to get me, to make some sort of distraction at least. She was fast, and I knew she could probably outrun those things if needed, so I didn't worry about her as much. She started yipping at me, as to say, hurry the hell up. I was going with the wind now, and May was at my side. I made it, got to the porch, and spun around. I knew if those hogs were there... I wanted to see them because I wouldn't leave May alone with them now. And then I realized, the screams were gone. I didn't see or hear any of the pigs anymore, but I could still smell them. I grabbed the first gun I could get to, which was a 12-gauge shotgun and a box of shells for it. I ran outside and sat with my good girl for a few minutes. The smell eventually went away and they left. I believed the scent of the canine combined with me coming into the light of my house was enough to make them decide against chasing me because I don't think I would have made it home otherwise. It was too far. 
I petted up that dog, and I still love on her today. She's older now and has retired from being an adventure dog, but she's still my dog and I still take great care of her. About a week later, my dad and I were driving home when my dad slowed down and said, Look, hogs. I looked up to see a group of hogs, at least 30 of them, anywhere from 200 to 500 pounds. They were huge. No doubt this was definitely the group I ran into. This was about a mile from my house and I still see signs that they are around us, but I don't go out at night anymore. I take care of everything I need to do in the daytime. In early June of 1975, my grandparents were driving back to their farm, which was located about 10 minutes on the outskirts of Saskatoon. As they slowly rolled along the gravel road, a beat-up station wagon came into view, which was parked alongside the ditch. My grandparents then spotted a skinny man with shaggy blonde hair, thick caterpillar eyebrows, and a beard, looking like Tex Watson who was involved with the Manton murders a year earlier. This man was someone neither of my grandparents recognized. To his side was a Dalmatian. My grandmother glanced over at my grandfather, who seemingly failed to notice the strange man at first. Eric, said my grandmother. Pull over and see what this man is doing out here. My grandfather did as my grandmother had instructed and pulled his farm truck over to the shoulder beside the strange man before rolling down his window. The man then glanced up in at my grandfather's direction nervously. Uh, hello there, said the man. Beautiful evening, isn't it? I suppose, responded my grandfather. You need any help? Help, asked the man. No, I'm just taking my dog for a little walk. Change of scenery from the city. You and the missus must live around here. The man then stared in at my grandmother's direction with a sickening grin. His eyes are seemingly dilating into complete darkness. My grandmother had an immediate bad feeling about the man, a feeling that would soon come to haunt her for the remainder of her life. My grandfather glanced back at the man, oblivious to my grandmother's benevolence, almost immediately noticed. That's, that's not for you to know, said my grandfather, as he remembered a break-in that had occurred at their home a few years earlier. We'll see you around. I'm sure you will, said the man, who laughed to himself while glaring at my grandmother. My grandfather then pressed his foot on the gas and continued down the gravel road. My grandmother glanced in the rear view at the man who continued to stare in her direction, the Dalmatian jumping up in enthusiasm. My grandmother then desperately turned to my grandfather, unable to ignore the gut feeling from this guy, which had likely caused some sort of physical discomfort. That man is up to no good, Eric stated my grandmother. We'll have to call the police and report him. My grandfather turned to my grandmother, dumbfounded. You can't just report someone because you have a bad feeling, said my grandfather. But he has the devil's eyes, pleaded my grandmother. He's pure evil. I can feel it. We must call the police. My grandfather took in an exasperated breath. We will when we get back to the house, Irene. They didn't end up calling the police. At this point, being in the mid-70s, parents in Saskatchewan felt much safer than they do today and would allow their children to roam around the city of Saskatoon without a care in the world. This would soon change. Two weeks after my grandparents' unsettling encounter with that strange man, my grandfather was working in the field. 
Meanwhile, my father, James, was working on his 1967 Oldsmobile Cutlass engine as his younger siblings remained within the farmhouse, watching television. Although never diagnosed clinically, my grandmother suffered from depression, which had her sleeping on average 20 hours a day. However, on this evening, she had decided to sit on the front porch and enjoy the cool summer breeze. That's when she started to hear it. The faint sound of screaming. My grandfather had since commenced farming for the day and was now approaching the house. Do you hear that? Asked my grandmother. Hear what, Irene? Asked my grandfather. My grandmother waited. This time there was silence. I swear I just heard screaming, stated my grandmother. We should go for a quick drive and see if we can locate where the screams are coming from. I never heard any screams, said my grandfather. You hear things. I'm starving. My grandfather walked past my grandmother, opened the front door and stepped inside, leaving my grandmother alone on the porch. My father had a somewhat strained relationship with his mother and didn't go out of his way to be in her company. Although he was also starving, he continued to work on the engine of his dagger in hopes that his mother would soon head back into the house. However, this time she seemed to remain in place, listening intently for screams to continue. As she remained on the porch, she heard them again. Eric! Eric! yelled my grandmother with a sense of urgency. My grandfather rushed to the door, swinging it open while looking out at my grandmother. My father had since stopped working on the engine of his dagger and stared at his parents in some sort of confusion. I heard them again, Eric, yelled my grandmother. The screams sounded like they came from the children this time. We must do something. I've been in the field for ten hours, Irene, stated my grandfather. I'm hungry and tired and just want to rest. We should call the police, demanded my grandmother. We're not calling the police, stated my grandfather. All that sleep is causing you to become delirious. My father, sensing this to be an excellent time to sneak past his parents without being bothered communicating with his mother, grabbed a rag, wiped off the engine grease from his hands, and ran toward the house. James, pleaded my grandmother as my father reached the front porch. Tell your father that I'm not going crazy. You heard them too, didn't you? Heard what? asked my father. The screams, yelled my grandmother. Someone is out there getting murdered for all we know, and once again everyone choosing to ignore me. Is supper ready? asked my father. Yes, supper is ready if that's all you care about, stated my grandmother. That's all I needed to hear, said my father before sneaking past his parents and entering the house. My grandmother, meanwhile, was on the verge of tears through her attempt to convince my grandfather what she was hearing. Just because you haven't heard the screams yourself doesn't mean they're not happening, said my grandmother. You never listen to what I have to say. This is no different from you ignoring my concerns about the man with the devil's eyes a couple of weeks ago. We have to call the police. We are not calling the police, yelled my grandfather. I haven't heard any screams. Our son hasn't heard any screams because no screams have happened. It's all in your head. My grandfather had since given up on my grandmother's pleas, turned back, entered the house, and slammed the door behind him. Typically, my grandfather was prepared to do everything my grandmother asked of him. But this time around, for whatever reason, he decided to ignore her completely. My grandmother continued sitting on the porch alone, and as she did, the screams once again resumed. As it turns out, my grandmother was right about absolutely everything. She did hear screaming on that fateful night in June. On June 15th, two children, Darlene Cranfield, age 12, and Robert Grubisik, age 9, were abducted as they played along the South Saskatchewan River. 
They were then brought to a location approximately two miles away from my grandparents' farm, where they were sexually assaulted before being brutally murdered. A little over a month later, two additional children were abducted. Those were Samantha Turner, age 8, and Kathy Scott, age 7, who was kidnapped from a suburb also close to the river while they were out playing. As the summer came to a dire end, David Threnan was taken into police custody and admitted to sexually assaulting before murdering all four children who were dumped in two separate locations. One night as the CTV news broadcasted the case during the nightly news and how a suspect had been taken into custody, my grandmother broke down in tears as she saw the mugshot of the man responsible. This evil, deprived child killer was none other than the man both her and my grandfather had pulled up to on that roadside a couple of months earlier, at the beginning of June when this had all taken place before any of the murders had happened. My father spent his life resenting his mother, but at that moment he felt horrible for not listening to her and showing her empathy. As my grandmother fell into an even darker depression, preceding the events which transpired that summer, which would last for the remainder of her lifetime until her death decades later, my father had dedicated himself to helping his father to the family farm. When he wasn't working nearly every moment of the summer away, he would take his cutlass, which would be described as being impeccable, to bush parties and hang out with his friends. At these parties throughout the 70s, he would hear all sorts of stories and urban legends about the man that his parents met. What I learned upon hearing this story is the importance of always following your gut. There is a world out there, and although beauty can be found in most of it, darkness still looms in the corners. Listen to your gut. If something feels off about a person or a situation, do not ignore it. In some instances, this may just be the difference between life and death, or you are preventing yourself from being trapped in a perpetual state of guilt for not listening to your gut sooner before it was too late. Before we jump into this next story, I do want to put a little disclaimer and say this is not the typical type of story I would share in the swamp. It mentions light child abuse, and I did want to make that clear to anyone who may have an issue with that and want to skip the story. You can find timestamps in the pinned comment and in the description to skip this story if you would like. I do think it's important to share these types of stories, even though it's not the norm for the channel. So, about two to three years back, I was invited to my best friend's party. We'll call him Jack. We were both close to turning 14 years old at the time, so he was slightly older than me. There were many of our friends there, and we had a load of fun. Jack's family lived on a farm, so there were many fields and trees surrounding animals and abandoned barns. This does come into play later. So around 8pm, Jack's uncle comes upstairs to where all the kids are. He says that he wants to take us somewhere nearby, and we all agree and get ready to go outside. It was September, so it was cold out, so some kids put on their sweaters. Now, may I mention, there were about five girls and five boys. All the boys were Jack's siblings. So, his uncle starts to lead all ten kids to the edge of their property. When Jack's eldest brother asks where they're going, the uncle decided to flip the 14-year-old off for some reason. This uncle is not a good person and did not tell the parents where he was taking us. From what I know... He didn't even tell them we were leaving. Jack's uncle was a drunk who lives in his brother's basement, doesn't pay his share of the rent, and is creepy. We walk through wheat fields and trees, climbing over fences and mud. 
This walk to some random place took about 30 minutes. After what seemed to take forever, we ended up at some random barn near some trees. The eldest brother was visually pissed at the uncle but never said anything. The uncle then insisted that we go inside the barn. At the time, I didn't realize how wrong this was. So, we went into the barn, and it was full of holes and was full of broken glass and graffiti. Off to the side, a tiny staircase was almost vertical. The uncle told everyone to go up. The boys went first, then Jack, then me, and so on. The uncle was standing right behind me when I was climbing up and I felt a hand on my hips and one under my butt. I immediately stopped and whipped my head around but for some reason I didn't yell at him. I didn't tell a friend and I kept quiet. I looked at his face and he looked at mine. He then told me to keep going and pushed my backside to force me up. I didn't fully understand, but I understood enough to know it was wrong. I recently found out he had harassed Jack and was kicked out. Everyone who has ever met him or knows him is glad that he no longer lives there, and from what I found out, he was actually arrested for soliciting minors not that long ago. This may be short and sweet and may be super anticlimactic, but I felt it was important to share this experience, because not only was it creepy, it also shows how dangerous people, even close to your family or friends, can be to your children. This happened on the 4th of July while my wife and I were out hiking around farmland in Oklahoma. Not too far from the farm, there's a reserve where it has mountains and buffalo. There are also numerous trails you can hike on this property. This one I'm going to talk about is called the Parallel Forest. Originally made as a wind deterrent in the open plains back in the old farming days, these trees really did grow up to be an actual forest where trees are almost in a straight line. But anyways, back to the real story here. My wife and I are hiking and there are already a few people out and about on this trail. It's also incredibly muddy, so you can see all the tracks of where people are going and coming. Granted, we never saw anyone on the trail, just in the parking lot. So, we were going here and there, and we noticed raccoon tracks, deer tracks, and even buffalo here and there. But I noticed something odd. There were numerous tracks of people and animals but I saw one paw print that looked to be of a very large dog. You could see the claw mark in the mud, very distinguished. Plus, loads of people take their dogs hiking with them, so I tried to just brush this off. The only thing was, there was just one print on the trail. It was off to the side a bit, but I looked and there wasn't any off the trail. And we'd gone on a completely different trail. This place had numerous ones, and there would be the same paw print. Every so often. Just one, though. This was getting odd. We decided to go down this one trail that we've never done before, and I see adult deer tracks going through the mud. It seemed to have a baby with it, too. Then I see it again. One singular print. My wife finally decides to turn around because she's tired of the mud and doesn't think anything is odd about it. I'm, I'm happy just to be leaving. We turn around and start heading back, and I notice there's another singular print on the trail we came from. One barefoot human print, toes and all. I grabbed my wife and we left pronto. She asked about the rush, and I explained only when we got to the car. Now we were both glad to be out of there. I'm not sure what was on those farmlands, but I'm pretty sure we may have seen something around the lines of a skimwalker. At least the footprints of one anyway.
When I was seven, I lived in the middle of nowhere, literally meaning the middle of nowhere. Our next door neighbor was a 10 minute drive and the nearest town, if you could even call it that, was more like a street with homes on it, about 20 to 30 minutes away. And the most immediate form of a city or town was about an hour and a half. The house itself was a typical farmhouse, and I was in the first bedroom with a view of the long driveway. While we stayed there, it always felt odd to me. Maybe because we were so far from anywhere, or perhaps it was the vibe. But it was here I had this experience, my first experience with the paranormal, and I will never forget it. One night I awoke to quiet talking. It first sounded like a loud whisper when you're trying to be quiet but end up being a little bit louder than you need. At first I thought this was my parents since they were very close to the kitchen, but as I sat and listened, the whispering became louder. I noticed that these were not my parents but rather two male voices I did not recognize. My first thought was not anything supernatural but rather somebody was trying to break in. I was just there listening to them get louder and louder. The two were talking. One would ask a simple question like what this thing is or what holds that thing up and the second would answer but beyond wrong yet have that tone of simply answering a question. At this time, the voice sounded like they were right beside me, just talking away, and as I turned my eyes around, the curious one asked about an object in my room that I was looking at. Of course, the second one would answer it but get it super wrong. These voices that sounded like they were right beside me somehow used my eyes to look around. I am a kid at this point and I am terrified. And what does a kid do when they're terrified? I run to my parents. I snuck into their room and went to sleep between them. But before that, the first one asked, Are you sure the kid is not aware of us? The second one responded, Of course not. That freaked me out. This was my first ever experience with something I could not explain, and that was the only time I ever heard of the two. I am in my 30s now, and honestly I have a few thoughts on it, but I am curious if anyone else has ever experienced this before. Having heard two phantom voices, one is asking questions, and the other, well, it's just kind of an idiot. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true horror stories from farms. As always, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to the swamp. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or a different platform, be sure to give us a 5-star rating over there as it helps us out a ton. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Be sure to hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode as I upload them nearly every single day in all things natural and supernatural. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but still want to download your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcast, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support the Swamp outside of all that, come join me over on Twitch. I stream multiple times a week over there with the community. Sometimes I play horror games with fellow horror narrators, and other times we watch kind of terrible horror movies with the Swamp Dwelling community. You can find the link to join me over there in the description. Also, come join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'd love to keep in contact with everybody. Anyways, I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.